0: Today we're going to be continuing our study on the doctrine of hell. <clears throat> this will be number 7 in our installment of concerning the doctrine of hell, the future of hell. We're going to turn toward the, We've looked at the origin and uh, the present state, and now we're going to look at the future. And so when the last Christian is saved in this dispensation, The rapture of the church will take place. And James chapter 5 says, It's like the husbandman waiting for the precious fruit of the earth after the early and latter rain. He reaps the harvest and he's excited about the reaping. This is the first resurrection or the rapture of church saints. In Romans 11, it says, For I would not, brethren, have you be ignorant of this ministry lest you be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, this is the fullness of the Gentile. What's, what it means? Completion. There's an enlargement. God promised to the Gentiles in Genesis nine twenty seven that, that Japheth would be enlarged, and it will ultimately be fulfilled in the building up of the predominant church, uh, Gentile church. So, when the last soul is saved, the fullness of time will come, and the seven years of tribulation will follow. Uh, at this point and during this time hell will open up and spew out wicked and devilish creatures which torment men. hell will grow exponentially during this seven year time and almost one half of the population dying it will be receiving most of them and giant earthquakes will be the result so we've talked about this but now we're going to look at the future and what we really need to do is take a look at the throne of God and how he deals with sin and how he judges so daniel chapter 7 verse 9 through 11 he said i beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit whose garment was white as snow and his hair of his head was pure uh, like pure wool his throne was like a fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, the books were open. I held and beheld then, because the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. These verses are an overview, of what takes place from Armageddon all the way to the Great White Throne Judgment. Some of, uh, both of these are involved here. So verse 9 reveals the ancient of days who is the Father to be revealed while verse 13 reveals who is the Son of God. He's considered to be the Son of Man. And we're told in verse 14 that Jesus comes to the ancient of days and is given the kingdom, the rights to the kingdom. This is the kingdom of heaven so the tribulation period is a time that by a process of seven years jesus takes back the kingdom from satan it begins with jesus taking the book of seven seals from the father and opening them and it marks the beginning of the day of the lord which run uh it goes to the beginning of the day of the lord which runs for a thousand years to the great white throne judgment so in daniel 7 we're looking at Armageddon had already happening on the same day as the judgment, and I think this is because a day of the Lord is a thousand years for a day. And so, the Ancient of Days, that's God, has this fiery throne. It says, Wills are burning with fire, and it's a fiery stream that issues from before Him as the judgment was set. We know that sometimes when God is mentioned that there's a water of life that issues from this throne. But now at this point, it says that his throne is prepared for judgment. Psalm 9 verse 7. At the great white throne judgment, there will be this burning fire that's issuing forth as the dead are judged. Not given the water of life now. Now it's a fiery, purifying Flood, And at times the throne is seen as uh, pouring forth this river of life clear as crystal, other times fire and brimstone. So hell is the essence of God's judgment. Remember, he breathes on, on it to keep it uh, bellowed and, and powerful and hot. He keeps the fires burning. According to Isaiah 30, verse 33, that the breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. Tophid is an Old Testament name for hell with the New Testament equivalent of Gehenna. Notice it says it was ordained of old, so God made and ordained this place long ago. And who is it for? The king, the king of Babylon, the king of Tyre, the king, the ruler of the kingdoms of this world which is Satan, and God keeps hell filled and burning and breathing on it until that time it, co- it is for him. Satan, So, let's look at God's throne for a minute. Just do a quick study on God's throne. Uh, It's a description here. So, number one, God's throne is both great and it's white. It's why it's called the great white throne. Revelation 20, verse 11. John saw this. The white color describes a purity and a righteousness it takes to be the final place of judgment. It has to be pure and just because this is the deciding throne to determine the fate of of all the men. And so this throne is the instrument of justice which will be used to sentence all souls. Number two, the throne is surrounded by this emerald-colored rainbow. Revelation 4.3 says, He that was was, uh, to look upon, he that sat, was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like into an emerald. A true rainbow is never seen on earth because the horizon hides our view of the complete circle. When you ride in an airplane you can look out the window and sometimes you'll see a complete rainbow in a circular form. You won't see that on the earth. But this throne. God's throne and the rainbow around about it is brilliant emerald green hues in a circular fashion round about the throne. So here's an you've got the color white and then you have the color green. And then it says, uh, number three, God the Father sits upon that throne. He's called the Ancient of Days, which we just spoke of that. And that's found in Daniel 7, verse 9. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sits at his right hand. Colossians 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So there's only one throne. Jesus sits beside God the Father in the throne. And Revelation 3.21 teaches, teaches us that all those who overcome the world are privileged to sit with Him in His throne as He judges. And many will attend Him as He make, does the great white throne judgment. It says, Thousand, thousands ministered unto Him. I believe the saints of God are part of that crowd, of that grouping, and so God's overcomers will be there. But the ones who minister Him, while the eternal destinies are decided, they are in the throne, are sitting at the right hand of Jesus Christ. They are overcomers. They are there as witnesses, and we'll see that in a later study. But next, there are different things that can proceed out of the throne of God. They seem to be determined by what spirit he is in. So not all the, like we mentioned, the, the water of life comes forth from the throne of God where the the tree of life blooms and the tree of life actually grows along the side of it. But in this particular case of judgment, there's gonna be this stream of hell fire coming out of there. It says that lightnings and thunders and voice voices proceed out of this throne also and smoke Revelation 15 when God gets ready to judge so God has prepared his throne for judgment and this is the seat from which all verdicts will be pronounced and then carried out next when God is in the spirit of judgment the Bible says that fire proceeds out of the throne this is the same type of fire that's going to be found in hell Daniel 7 verse 10 In Isaiah 30, verse 33, how significant is this that the same throne that can administer grace and the water of life and eternal life can also pour out fiery streams of judgment? Next, God himself. He seems to be, uh, there's a change in color and hue based upon the spirit that he is in. And I think men and people are the same way. Since he can be the color of jasper and a sardine stone, or he can show the colors of amber and fire, according to Ezekiel 1.27. So which would you rather see coming from the throne when you're dealing with God? This emerald rainbow, which symbolizes life and growth, this uh, jasper and sardine stone, the beauty of this beautiful stone and righteousness, or fiery amber and brimstone pouring out of there so when god is in a spirit of judgment fire goes before him such will be the case at the second advent when jesus comes to earth and sets the battle in array it says in isaiah 34 8 that this is the day of the lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of zion God is out to get vengeance over Jerusalem in the way it's been treated at the, time, at the hands of the Gentiles. He comes from heaven on a white horse, definitely a fiery white horse. It's the same type of horses and chariots that will be used in battle that transported Elijah to heaven when he went up to heaven in a fiery whirlwind. The Bible says in Revelation 19:12, Jesus' eyes are as a flame of fire. He'll have a sword coming out of his mouth. This sword will be bathed in heaven before it ever gets to earth. Isaiah 34 verse 5. So the battle for earth or on earth will begin down by a place called Petra. This is south and east of Jerusalem, the area of Edom. These are the nations, Edom, Moab, and Ammon. These are the nations that would not receive or aid Israel as they went from Egypt to the promised land. Remember, they opposed them. And God has in controversy with these nations ever since. That's why it says in Isaiah 63 Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? Bozrah. This is he that is glorious in his parable. This is Jesus, none other than Christ. The passage is very clear to the motive and spirit that he is in when he comes to make a recompense on the earth. Jesus judges this area first. He says, He treads the winepress alone, and His armies are with Him on white horses. And as they follow, He treads the people in His anger. So if you study the path that Christ takes at the second coming, Advent, to get to Jerusalem, you will find it very similar to the path of the Exodus and when they came in through, uh, in the days of Joshua, across the Jordan River. Let's look. turn to Joel chapter 2 because we're going to be looking at this too. uh, Verses 1 through 4. It's another description of God's army and the path that they take. It says, Blow you the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. Let it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a people great and strong... There hath not been ever the like, neither shall there be any more of it, even to the years of many generations. And what does it say that this army does? It says, A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and his horsemen so shall they run notice this is the greatest army ever assembled because it was assembled in heaven not not hell and not on earth these are people these are the saints that come out of heaven and verse 3 says that as they come down on the earth and follow christ that a flame devoureth before them and then behind them it leaves a burning wasteland this army led by Christ is issuing this flame as it moves north and destroys everything in its path. The destruction left behind is as a desolate wilderness. The same type of fiery flow that comes out of the very throne of God at the judgment and it's also at the same at the fires of hell. Jesus will go. will use this same fire as he frees Jerusalem and wins the battle of Armageddon. So we are, getting, we are coming to something here to explain how the lake of fire begins, which that is the future of hell. And it all begins at the Battle of Armageddon when Jesus comes with his powerful breath and the sword that issues out of his mouth and the fiery judgment of God on unbelieving humanity, that what's going to happen is a fire will begin to burn down in Edom, down in Petra, and it will burn and burn. And it will actually turn into a thousand years of burning. And the lake of fire will begin. And so the next time we're going to look at Babylon in the, shortly and the study on Babylon and what it has to do with the lake of fire. And then how the lake of fire will begin. And what God will do with the lake of fire as we are studying the future of hell. So until next time. Think on these things and thank God that He was merciful and showed us the truth. Today is March 25th, 2020, and we will read in Isaiah chapter 6 yesterday we read in Isaiah 6 but today it'll be at the beginning of the chapter famous verse in verse 1 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple so it's significant that the vision that he saw of the Lord happened on the year that King Uzziah died and King Uzziah was a a good king. He he ruled for 52 years. He had the longest reign uh, of Judas uh, Judah and the kingdom of Judah. And so Uzziah was there for a long time and men were used to him ruling. And then he died. His son Jotham took over and only reigned a few years. And then after that, the grandson named Ahaz showed up and he was a very wicked, wicked man and a bad king. So Ahaz is the opposite of Uzzah. So you went from one really good king to a very bad king. You had great circumstances and it fell to horrible circumstances. They almost lost the kingdom through uh, Ahaz's rule and uh his, his wickedness that he brought on the kingdom. But the key is is God's still on the throne. So we, we say this a lot, God is on the throne. Well, God was on the throne when Uzziah was ruling on the throne. God was on the throne when Uzziah died. And God's still on the throne when Ahaz is sitting on the throne. So God's still on the throne. If good things are happening in your life, God's on the throne. Or if there's bad and evil coming your way and uh, the world as it is today, the things that are taking place, we don't doubt that God is ruling from heaven. He's still on the throne and reigning supreme. Whether the changes come in our life and you know we find ourselves going through changes, this, we need to see heaven. You know, if you see who's on the throne on earth now and in, uh, who's the president of the United States, Who might be the next time? Well, no matter who it is, God's still on the throne. Uh, No matter what's taking place in your life, whether you're prospering or suffering right now or going through adversity or a time of great blessing and your change is for good or change is for bad, God's still on the throne. What we need is, is a clear vision of Him. You need to maintain that. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord some of the worst times I was going through and I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple and He was on the throne, literally. I saw beyond all my human circumstances and the things of this world and I saw heaven. And we need to maintain that heavenly vision of God. He's still ruling from heaven. He's still ruling in our life. He's still sovereign over us and we trust Him We see him, and we could be like Isaiah and say, here am I, send me. We can continue on. And I'll say it one last time. God is on the throne all day long today and even in tomorrow. Thank you.